Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to See Also. I'm Kate Jinks, a film programmer, writer, and critic. I'm Brady Lancaster, a pop culture critic, author, and editor. And in each episode of this podcast, we connect the dots of pop culture and offer our own take on the idea of further reading. Speaking of reading, this episode we're talking about major reading ruts, post-pan shows, and just like that. But first, Lexi's play. Lexi's play. We're going to do a quick uh, recap of a couple of TV shows that have uh, wrapped up recently. One of them very recently, Euphoria finished its second season on HBO last week. Um, Jinxie, did you watch this season week to week or did you do a binge or? Yeah, I did it. I left it. I started early, like when it first started and then went away for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and came back and watched like all the rest of the episodes of one after the other. And that's a really grubby way of watching Euphoria. I wouldn't Mm. recommend it. I did that with the first season. I watched all of it in a weekend and it was emotionally devastating. Like it was a wrenching watch. Um, But this season I was week to week, like a lot of people. I felt quite frustrated by Euphoria. I felt like every week I sat down and watched an episode that was quite disconnected to everything that came before and after with the exception of kind of two major plot lines. One of them being Rue's addiction and uh, the other being this kind of doomed Romeo and Juliet, but cheating and big boobs love story between (laughs) like Nate and Cassie. I thought you meant Romeo and Juliet story between Lexi and Fez. Oh no. Well that's either way. That's like a, that's like, 
Shakespeare and whoever Shakespeare, <laughs> whatever drug dealer Shakespeare is flirting with. <laughs> yeah, look, I spent most of it just worrying about Fez and Ashtray. Like, it was very tense this season in mm. that way. You know, protect the boys at all costs. How disgusting of me. Never dog the boys. No. Um, I just really loved Lexi's stupid play. Yeah, so Lexi, the character played by Maud Apatow, um, one of our nepotism queens, <laughs> she, she cast herself as herself lookalikes of all her closest friends aka the cast of the show that we are watching as the cast of her play who all play her friends reenacting scenes from their lives but i kind of found lexi's play to be the best part of euphoria all season (laughs) with the exception of martha kelly who was just an incredible addition to the cast but because euphoria has this kind of extended music video are we watching fantasy or reality? Are we watching a dream sequence? Is Rue's narration told from the perspective of her present day? You know, I have all these questions about like the the perspective and the time. What's the word I'm thinking of? Tense. Yeah. The tense. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things floating around online about like who's alive and who's not. Yeah. The Rue is dead theory. I'm fascinated by. Yeah. Or the friend with the, um, apple tattoo on his face. What's the theory with Elliot? Elliot he is, he's one of her mental characters so that she oh. has multiple characters essentially. And he is one of them. Oh my God. I never so it's like heard a split that. Personality situation. I mean, I guess it checks out in that he was kind of like her drug buddy buddy guardian angel kind of character this season yeah but the thing is with euphoria like everything <laughs> checks out it's like you could come up with the wildest theory yeah and look we can invent a possibly imaginary character like elliot because why spend why not spend time doing that instead of uh giving barbie ferreira anything to do oh all God. season yeah that was a bummer wasn't such it? a bummer she bell gibson her really oh. sweet boyfriend from last season and then was just an onlooker. Briefly back to Lexi's play. Yeah. Do you think that in the future she's going to make another play about making that play like a la Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir? If she does, I know where I'm going to listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> well, the other show that has finished wrapping up recently, which we waited years, decades for, is of course, and just like that. Are we uh, making this podcast inspired by uh, X, Y, and me, Che Diaz's podcast? <laughs> yeah, everything's a woke moment. <laughs> this show, I mean, I watched every episode. I couldn't wait every week to watch this show, and I will be there for season number two and every subsequent season. Mm-hmm. But there were some major flaws, and I mean, it, this has been done. We don't have to go too far into it, but the main thing for me was – why were the women so wizened? Why were they acting they like- They were decrepit creatures. Yeah, like they're in their 50s. Yeah. How old was Samantha in the final season of Sex in the City? So, I don't know how old she was in the final season, but in the second film, she was 52. That's what I thought. Yeah. And she wasn't she, acting like this. No, she in in fact the second Sex and the City movie, which I will go on record to say was oh, no. better than Brody, and no. just like that. No. Honestly. No. Like take away the Abu Dhabi, um, like the women ripping off their 
burkas to show their fashions underneath. (laughs) Take that away. There is a moment in that movie where in a nightclub, Samantha is hit on by a hot like Danish architect or something. And and this is when she comes back into herself um, and she wants someone to come back into her. (laughs) Anyway, she is in a nightclub and this architect wants to, you know, take her home. And she says, no, I'm with my girls tonight. And all the girls are like, Samantha, oh my God, I'm so impressed you didn't go home with him. And she says, well, he men come and go, but we're forever, we're soulmates. And then you're going to tell me she moved to London and never spoke to Carrie again? I don't think so. She fed her soup on her honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not revisiting the second film anytime soon. I'm I'm so sorry. But the other major thing was Shay Diaz. Like... Shay Diaz, Shay Diaz's comedy concert, comedy career, performance of California Girls. So many questions, no answers. Oh, yeah, no answers. Like, I was waiting for that queer Miranda storyline forever. Yeah. Since she kissed the soft butch at the baseball team, like yes. at the baseball game that her boss set her up with in like season one, season two. Decades ago. Decades ago. But, you know, that didn't, her sexual awakening, queer sexual awakening did not have to come at the cost yeah. of Carrie being in that apartment. There were ways the Shay Diaz character could have really worked for me, I think. And they were, if Shay Diaz were a fuck boy or a fuck person, like kind of, they kind of were like stringing Miranda along, making yeah. her really confused about the status of their relationship, but it was never resolved. And that was like a common theme in this season of the show. A storyline was raised and then, ignored totally miranda got an internship by the final episode we saw her walk into class on day one make a fool of herself and never go back again yeah there's so much so many questions none of them will be answered and i'm kind of okay with that i suppose i mean what was better than every episode of and just like that was the every outfit podcast talking about and just like that Yes. You don't really need to watch this season. You just need to listen to that podcast. I got really into that podcast um, for the, the week-to-week recaps. Chelsea, Fellas, and Lauren Garoni do a great job of that. Hearing them reckon with the Miranda of it all also was really fun. <laughs> it was very good. Um, I've got another C also, actually, from And Just Like That. Mm-hmm. You know how they all suddenly have best friends who are women of colour? Yeah. So obvious. Yeah. Um, Charlotte's best friend, kind of, new best friend, is played by Nicole Ari Parker. The richest documentary filmmaker on <laughs> earth. <laughs> Gotta get into Sundance. Um, that's how it works as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but she, as soon as she came on screen, I practically screamed and I was like, she's from The Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love, the 90s film from, I think, 1995, major teen dyke, you know, canon here. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And she is opposite um, Laurel Holloman in that film who plays Tina in The L Word. I think I have Incredibly True Adventures on VHS at my house. Beautiful. I need to dig out. Yeah. Get your head cleaner out. That's terrible. We're keeping that. There's been another trend in TV recently that is uh, familiar and troubling. And (laughs) that's this like this new crop of survival shows that have appeared. um, And I'm not talking literal survivor, although I know that's 
top of your watch list at the moment. I love Australian Survivor. I love all Survivor, but the latest Australian Survivor is is great. Is it? It really is. I've never watched a single episode of Survivor in Mm, my life. You don't need to. But uh, drama-wise, there are shows like Station Eleven and Yellow Jackets that have been kind of critically acclaimed, publicly acclaimed, Brody not so acclaimed. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I have okay. mixed thoughts. I mean, Station Eleven of the three, Station Eleven was my favorite. So, Station Eleven, it's based on a novel by Emily St. John Mandel, which I have not read. Me neither. Um, it's like a post-apocalyptic dystopian novel adaptation. There's a flu, um, which I think is called the Georgia flu in the book, that I believe the outbreak happens in 2020. The book came out in 2014. Eerie coincidence. Wipes out something like 98% of the Earth's inhabitants kind of... I guess within the space of a few weeks or months, that's unclear, but the TV adaptation flits between the before, the kind of during, and then the very far after, about 19 or 20 years after the events of the pandemic. I loved this show, Um, not being familiar at all with the novel, and a lot of people read it during our own pandemic. But yeah, I just, it's one of those shows that I fear watching again, just Mm. in case it got me at a particular emotional point, and that's why I loved it so much. Mm. Um, So essentially, though, I found myself wanting more of the pandemic times and not the after time. They were the beautiful scenes. Yeah, this heart of the movie is this little girl, Kirsten, who... When the when the show starts, she is starring in a is it King Lear adaptation on stage in Chicago, and an audience member played by Himish Patel notices that the star is having a heart attack and tries to help him, um, and then kind of looks after this little girl as they both realize her parents are among the many many casualties of this flu, and so he becomes her caretaker. For what seems like a year or two, maybe quite a while. Those scenes are really, really beautiful and touching. You've got Himish Patel, who is playing this character who did not sign up for having to protect this little kid through a pandemic. Mm. Um, And that actress is really wonderful. Um, But then it it cuts between kind of now, I guess, Mm. the after times or whatever they want to call it. Post-pan. Post-pan. And basically we follow a Shakespearean theatre troupe, which is not my favourite thing. I have to say if that is what survives at the end of... The apocalypse, I don't know. I'm fine getting the flu. But it's, um, yeah, it's very kind of like Brunswick Circus share house energy from this this theatre troupe. Major carny vibes. Full carny. And so that's the little girl grows up, Kirsten, to be played by Mackenzie Davis, icon. Um, What? Love love Mackenzie. Do we not love Mackenzie? Well... Look, she really had to be great to kind of work through all her undoing in Claire Duvall's film Happiest Season, uh-huh. where she is, is a play- monster. She's an absolute monster yeah. in that film, and that was the first thing I saw her in, so uh, I okay. only see her as that terrible, terrible character Harper, I think mm-hmm. her name was. Of course she's Obviously, called Harper. Kristen Stewart, I mean. Justice for Kristen Stewart She should have gone for Aubrey, but anyway, anyway, let's... <laughs> Um, yeah, I loved Station Eleven. I found it kind of unbingeable, which is really odd for me. Like 
see the last segment where I said I binged all of Euphoria, I was really restricting myself to an episode a night. And so it lasted quite a while, but I, I actually will send you the selfies I took after I came home a few drinks in and decided to watch the last two episodes back to back. I was so emotional. I was devastated, but also like devastated in a really nice way, like crying really happy, sad tears. I get it. Yeah, that show really fucking got me. And um, everything I've read about it and thought about it in the time since all comes back to this idea of like surviving isn't enough, being the 1% of the world to like keep your life. That's not worth living for. Like your life alone is not worth living for. It's like art and music and community that makes the world a place to still live in. Um, which I found really moving. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was kind of like The Leftovers, um, that TV series, in a way. Can I just tell you a few things that I found irritating? Yeah, of course. Actually, there's only one, and it's Laurie Petty. (gasps) Yeah. I know that she's also an icon, but I cannot stand Laurie Petty. I cannot stand her. Yeah, she's not – look, in the show, we're supposed to believe that a young girl met her and then spent 20 years – trooping around with Laurie Petty's character. I just don't buy it. <laughs> I don't want to be on the wheel or whatever it was called with Laurie Petty. No. Anyway, I would stay in the apartment in Chicago and <laughs> likely freeze to death. <laughs> likely freeze to death, exactly. Yeah. I-, I thought the music supervision in Station Eleven was pretty exceptional. There was uh, a great use of Bill Callahan's Apocalypse and a particularly touching scene with the um, end song of Pretty in Pink. Got to read also for Station Eleven, even though Station Eleven is a book and I haven't read it. <laughs> We're not recommending the book. <laughs> <laughs> but um, kind of similar vibe, I imagine, um, was a book that a lot of other people read during the pandemic as well. Um, Ruman Alarms, Leave the World Behind. Oh, I don't know it. I've never heard of it. Oh, it's really great. It's like this privileged, quite annoying family, husband and wife and their two kids drive upstate from Manhattan to take a little break. And they've got like an Airbnb situation. Is this going to get tomorrow where the war began? And it's a bit tomorrow when the war began. Ah. I, I don't know if this is a, if this, this is kind of like a visit recommendation, a visit also. Um, but Station Eleven made me think about the Museum of Jurassic Technology. There's this storyline running through Station Eleven about the Museum of Civilization, this idea that people who were alive pre-pandemic saved just everyday objects and kind of treasured them as like totems from the lost world, I guess, going into the post-pan era. Some people resent them for holding on to these, um, these like relics while other people get a lot of comfort from them. And it made me think of this place that I visited when I was in LA like six or seven years ago called the Museum of Jurassic Technology. It was opened by this couple David and Diana Wilson in the late 80s. It's in Culver City and it's the strangest place on earth. Like there is a, it's just a collection of things um, that have no real connection to one another, but they're all really moving in really strange ways. There's a room that looks quite empty, but if you look through a magnifying glass, there are little pins, like dressmakers pins that someone has painted tiny figures of Disney characters on. And you can see them through a magnifying glass. This sounds incredible. It's amazing. And then as you walk through this dark, spooky museum of just like oddities, you come out into this interior garden that just has like birds in 
beautiful cages and people come out and you can feed the birds. It's this phenomenal place that is just like, oh, wow, the people who like collect and hold on to things are like see the world in like a, a different way. That sounds beautiful and I want to go there. Yeah. It sounds almost as good as my actual favorite museum, which is the Banana Museum. You have another sea also, don't you? Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about this stuff because I'm getting quite em- – like Station Eleven makes me really earnest, which is not my favorite mode to be <laughs> on a podcast. I like to be like sassy and spunky. That same idea of like preserving what it was like to live on Earth is such a big task and question that most of us – We'll never spend any time thinking about. But two people who did were Carl Sagan and Anna Druyan. Druyan? Druyan? I'll write her name down in the show notes. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Sorry. Carl Sagan, astrophysicist. He worked with this woman, uh, Anna, last name starting with a D, um, to make the golden record in, I think, the 60s. Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey. (laughs) What do you mean we're going to space? Um and, and their the task for the golden record was to capture sounds of Earth. So there were audio recordings of people saying hello in all these different languages. There were um, animal sounds. And at one point, they told each other they loved each other. They had never kissed or kind of interacted outside of a professional context in that I believe in that conversation he proposed to her and was they were kind of like well this is forever if we're going to do this and the next day she was going in to have um, I think it was an MRI like a reading of her brain waves to put on the golden record and so it's it became the brain of a woman like newly in love and I just got chills talking about it because it, it's so beautiful and emotional. Anyway, the golden record was this like incredibly designed plate sent into space by NASA on spaceships. And the idea was that they would just float out there forever. And at some point, if any other intergalactic life form found them, they would hear what Earth it was like and what love sounded like it's really beautiful i love the golden record yeah and it was the all of that backstory and the golden record was the um the main inspiration behind the latest avalanches record we will always love you that is titled after a line in the roaches song hammond song which you and i both love love the shout out to the roaches (laughs) shout out to our girls the roaches um yeah And I wrote about the avalanches when that record came out. I interviewed them and was just kind of like, can we just talk about Carl Sagan and Anna for a little while? And a little bit of the roaches. (sighs) I did. Can we just do a little, a mini spin-off of a watch also from there Mm -hmm. Um, with the avalanches from that album? They got really incredible filmmakers to make music videos for them as they always tend to do but uh they got soda jerk incredible australian artists filmmakers uh dom and dan angelo to make a video for the was and Mm. it is so good so beautiful we'll link to it Okay, Yellow Jackets, here's the show that Brody and I were texting each other about quite a bit. At the <laughs> beginning, I was like, this show, everyone's talking about it. I don't think it's any good. And then you started watching it and you're like, yeah, it's not very good. And then I kept watching it and I was like, well, maybe there is something here. And I was on a rampage of anti-Yellow Jackets campaigning. <laughs> yeah, those petitions didn't really work, did they? No one signed my petitions. <laughs> everyone else really liked this show and I fully 
hated it. I think. I think. Wow. I had, well, did I, yeah. I didn't. That's un- a lot. I didn't enjoy my experience. Oh well, then yeah, that's yeah. bad. Yeah, I I'm loved sorry. the concept. Mm-hmm. I loved the Great cast. Concept. I just did not like the execution. Okay. Well, I ended up really hooked on it. Mm despite its many, many misgivings. Uh, it's about an all-girl soccer team. Uh, 1996, they make it to nationals. Woohoo! They're and the best, the Yellow Jackets team. Go Yellow Jackets! <laughs> <laughs> and one of their dads hooks them up with a private plane, a PJ, if you will, to uh, get them to nationals. Then they crash. That's the show. Somewhere in Canada? I guess so. In a similar, like, it's the woods. T- t- it's the woods. It's the spooky woods. Um, in a similar time jumpy way to Station Eleven, it also flits between, like, quote unquote present day and for them, it's the 90s. Um, and so you see some of the people who survived and how they've dealt with, like, the trauma of what we learn is 19 months that they lived out in the wilderness. Yeah. And the four women that we know to have survived maybe more or maybe they're all ghosts or something i don't know who knows what will happen in season two um but they're played by melanie linsky love christina Mm -hmm. ricci um julia lewis who is just so incredibly watchable everything she does is i don't know like i i don't feel like i've ever been like a huge julia Lewis fan. Me neither. But I could not take my eyes off her in this. I rewatched Whip It recently as well, and I was like, Juliet, she's such a truly bad bitch. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Um, and Tawny Cypress, who is the other woman, and I don't know, I haven't seen her in anything no, before. I was say, but I'm not familiar with her. She's so good. She's really great. And it's just kind of a joy to watch them. So I think most of my love of the show, or, or of what, not loving the show, but like, enjoying watching the show was really to watch them yeah because you would think that like an all-girl soccer team in the woods is going to be pretty exciting but actually those scenes are like where it kind of falls down for me Mm. they're constantly teasing this idea of did they eat each other like did they become cannibals that's a pretty exciting thing but uh, it feels like nothing in this show I kind of um, had the opposite (laughs) reaction to the cannibal stuff because the show opens with a kind of cannibally ritual um, and you see that- Yeah, it's like they're a coven in the woods, which is cool. Yeah, it's kind of true detective-y. It's kind of like that season of Riverdale where they all played that game with like the antler, the freaky antler king in the woods or whatever. That's it. It was the last time I could watch Riverdale and that's- I even took it too far going there. The show opens with they're in the snow. There's a girl running. She falls in a pit. And then you're just seeing some kind of meat or flesh being barbecued and then eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I watched the following 12 hours, 10 hours of this show waiting for one of the teens to cook and eat each other. <laughs> like, I yeah. I wanted to see that. Yeah, I think I did too, which is such a grisly, grisly desire. But, I mean, that's what they were setting us up for, and they failed Yeah, so spoiler alert, the fact that we don't see that happen, it left me – I came away from Yellow Jackets with this feeling that they made a season of a show 
knowing that they would have many more seasons of a mm. show. And someone told me later that they heard there are going to be five seasons of Yellow Jackets. Oh, that's too many. It's too many. And also, I don't want to watch this story dragged on for 50 hours. There is something that happens right at the end of this first season where it looks like it could go somewhere kind of interesting. Don't want to say much, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. They obviously had such a massive, massive music budget. Mm. It's kind of like, you know how you get like jukebox musicals? This felt a bit like a 1996 jukebox TV show. Totally. Like it had every song released in the ninth in 1996. To the point where like the girls are doing a choreographed dance to like salt and pepper in the cabin that they're staying in when they get stranded in the forest. Yeah, and there's, you know, like Liz Fair is popping up. Ended up finding that quite off-putting, I have to say. Um, But the major issue I had with the show is so petty. It's so Laurie Petty. But the bad girl who grows up to be Juliette Lewis. Nat. Yes, Nat. She is styled 100% as Amy from Amel and the Sniffers, who was not like a – bad girl of rock in 1996 like they just get this one fashion reference so wrong and i felt like the 1996 kind of fashion references Mm. to be pretty off yeah it's it's very it's quite pastiche it's like um it's like seeing teens on tiktok who were born post 9-11 talking about y2k fashion for me just going right back but um rue's sister in the later season of euphoria wears heaven by mark jacobs i noticed oh i was like how's she how's she getting that how are any of the teens on euphoria affording these looks yeah i mean i shouldn't ask this is any a, question this of believability like, of euphoria mid-2000s how do the how do the people in Friends afford that apartment? Oh my God, how does Carrie Bradshaw? She's just a writer. She only has one color. How does she afford that rent-controlled apartment? Oh, my God. Anyway, yes. But, okay, going back to the fashion in, in Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I had I had an issue with that. Yeah. Kind of leads me to uh, a watch also. Hmm. A watch also listen also for Yellow Jackets. For true 1996 style, Mm -hmm. Um, someone has uploaded a full Bikini Kill concert um, from 1996, and that was when uh, Reject All American, that that their LP came out. But uh, yeah, this, this concert really, really took me back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's
lest everyone think that we're just watching television 24-7, we read too sometimes. And sometimes it's not about TV. Sometimes it's not about TV or films. Yeah, but you and I both found that despite all the time that was given to us, given to us in the last two years, we found it really hard to get into books. Yeah, and I get, uh, uh, you read all the time. I like to think I do, but in reality, I, I'm quite a slow reader. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm a pretty fast reader. I get through a lot of books, but... Yeah, two years ago, I just sort of couldn't read anymore. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, about brains shutting off, etc. But yeah, I really kind of craved book reading mm. as in like an escapist tool above television or, or film. Yeah, I got through very few books in the last couple of years to the point where I I had to do a very conscious task of like training myself to just remember what it's like to sit down without my phone or a screen on and just turn a page and like look at what is on those pages. And so I grabbed out a book that I had never read before, but was given as a gift. It's the book It by Alexa Chung, um, which is about- (laughs) You're going to say Stephen King. (laughs) No, he wishes. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Alexa Chung, who is an It girl- talks about her obsession with it girls but this book is essentially a blog it's essentially a tumblr blog um in book form and it has insights like there can only be one cool girl band around at a time i don't make the rules okay thanks and then a few pages later it's like doing a cat eye will always be chic and then then like three pages of photos later there's like another thought like that so that was truly one of the like 10 books i read last year so did it make you read other books it made me (laughs) pursue like i i did a similar thing at the start of this year and i picked up like a bunch of the thinnest books on my to read pile and started my a classic move. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've got my spreadsheet and I'm tracking the days that I read. And also I have a separate document where I keep a, just a running list of the books I finish and when I've been doing that since 2018. And my spreadsheet has given me a lot of data. I now know that like, it really takes me like seven to 10 days picking up a book and turning a few pages to finish a whole book and that's a regular sized novel but the thin ones you get through in a day really ups (laughs) your number what about you what was like the 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 peaks or the troughs of your reading rut well I, i had some friends kind of turned to graphic novels to get back into reading a few psychos turned to critical theory um i turned to judy bloom's beloved novel are you there god it's me margaret seriously i love that i just saw it on my shelf one day picked it up and read it in one go of course it's there's not much to it it's a slip of a book yeah and just like that, it was my, and just like that, um, <laughs> I, there got it's me, Margaret was my gateway drug back into, into reading. And from there, I just, I read so much. The other one was Circe by Madeline Miller, which is like Greek mythology. Mm. Um, I found that that really got me back into, into reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I kind of started, I, I really couldn't stop. Did you have some kind of highlights? Yeah, I mean, I I did the graphic novel thing in 2020 in one of the lockdowns. I ordered um, the entire series of volumes of Saga, a graphic novel that I'd started years ago um, and really love after the Sally Rooney of 2021, which I think a lot of us 
uh, partook in. I read one of my short books partook was. In. <laughs> we all partook in a little Sally last year. <laughs> um, I read this book that was recommended to me by uh, Jacqueline at Hill of Content, a great bookshop in Melbourne, which is called Nostalgia Has Ruined My Life by a writer called Zara Butcher McGonagall. Uh, which I really loved, a kind of, I guess we could call it autofiction in a a fictionalized story of like a young woman that feels quite real. This year I've been reading, I've been alternating between novels and nonfiction. So I went from Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, uh, which anyone who read Bad Art Friend will remember her as a member of the uh-huh. Chunky Monkeys. She thanks them by name in the book's credits, which is very fun for me, a bad art friend fan. And then I read Emily Nussbaum's essay collection, I Like to Watch, from a few years ago. Uh, and I just finished a couple of days ago, Black and Blue by Veronica Gorey, which is a memoir of um, an Aboriginal woman who worked as a police officer for 10 years. It recently won the Victorian Premier's Literary Award, which is the richest writing prize in Victoria. Yeah, I really want to read that. Yeah, I'll learn it to you. Thank you. Well, if if you want to read any of these, let me know. I've really loved Rachel Yoda's Night Bitch about a new mum who has to kind of leave her art world, art performance world behind to raise this son. And she becomes increasingly canine in the evenings. It was just such a kind of fun read. I'm not a new mother. I imagine... I would connect with it on a completely different level, yeah. should I be? Imagine it will be a TV series like Pronto. I really loved Death in Her Hands by Otessa Moshfeg, very famous for writing My Year of Rest and Relaxation. This wasn't very well received, but it's about this woman who moves into a secluded cabin and becomes obsessed with crime writing or mystery writing. Um and it becomes kind of a mystery novel. I really enjoyed that so much. Olivia Lang's Everybody, really excellent collection of essays and thoughts about great freedom movements of the last century. I loved that so much. And then another one that I really loved was Real Estate by Deborah Levy. I love her collection of uh, stories, and they're all autofiction about her life kind of growing up and becoming a mother and becoming a divorcee and and a novelist. And this particular one, she has a residency in Paris. And I just found it such a beautiful thing to be reading this woman discovering and making Paris her own um, in a time where we couldn't travel. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, see also's for reading just the just the concept of reading is this youtube channel by this uh toronto-based comedian called carly thorne her youtube name is uncarly and she popped up on my youtube homepage one day or for a few days in a row actually and like book tube which is what the genre of youtube where people just talk about what they're reading um never really appealed to me i didn't really understand how reading could be a visual a piece of visual content. She had a video that was titled something like these books are red flags, or if you like these books, they're red flags. And I watched it and I will say I was expecting to hate it. And I ended up becoming obsessed with her. I think she is so funny and smart and she's like very young. She's in her twenties, but she has like really great taste and also seems to find the fact that 
people all of a sudden are watching her opinions on YouTube quite daunting and weird and that makes its way into her book recommendations as well in a way that I love. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've got a stack of books that I've got a number of big deadlines looming and I've been putting these books off until those deadlines are finished so that I can fully enjoy them. The first one is Jessica Stanley's A Great Hope. I have been waiting for this book for what seems like years and then my copy didn't arrive quickly, like I did a pre-order so I bought it on Kindle because, you know, I'm you know, so supportive. Had to have um, it. Had to have it. But then, of course, I can't read it just yet. And I'm <laughs> so excited to read it. I think I'm two days away from really getting stuck into it. Um, the Game by Sean Kelly is next up. And um, I still haven't read No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. I have it. I haven't read it. So I'm going to. I also have it. Maybe we should. Uh, book club it. Time it. Yeah. Remember how in our first episode you did say, don't worry, not every episode is going to be like high-minded Derek Jarman related material. Um, well, well, uh, yeah, I was so excited that uh, I got a little package in the mail today and it was responses to Derek Jarman's Blue, his film from 1993. Can't wait to crack that open. I'm really glad crack you clarified that, open. that it just arrived because I walked into your apartment and I thought you had pulled it out of a shelf to like have on the table for us <laughs> to like look over or discuss. I mean, I wish I had, but uh, no, it's just it literally arrived today and I'm thrilled. Tune in next week for more Jarman. <laughs> It's time for Also Also's, our quickfire list of recommendations, further reading, optional homework. Uh, Kate, what's your first one? I got a smell also. Oh, is it what I'm smelling in your apartment right now? Yeah, it <gasps> is. It's uh, it's called High Moon Incense. It is ethically harvested Palo Santo. Thank you very much. I could tell, honestly, that yeah, it was right? ethical. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. Um, I buy it from this sweet little shop I found online, but it does exist in person, IRL. It's called Noel and Gladys. It's in Thoreau in New South Wales. They've got some really cute things every name of a shop that's like something and something reminds me of iris and bow which is whitney from real housewives of salt lake city's brand yeah formerly known as wild rose yeah or is, oh, is that the, the rebrand oh god she should have been <laughs> done a better job they shouldn't have spent all their savings anyway um what about you I have a clean also, and it's the concept of analog mopping. I used to use like those disposable like floor wipes to clean my floor. And then I moved into this apartment and I got one of those co-cleaning kits with a spray mop. And I was like, oh my God, look at all the dirt that I'm cleaning up from my floors with this spray mop. And I would take the pad off and throw it in the wash. And then according to TikTok, which I have mentioned TikTok like a hundred times on this episode, I'm fully addicted to TikTok specifically clean talk is that a thing oh it's a big thing someone made a video once about how if you're just using spray mops your floors aren't really clean and try using a regular mop with soapy water afterwards and the black water that comes up from your floors uh so i tried it uh last week it was before you came over actually and i was like look how clean my floors are they looked beautiful because i'd mopped for the first time in uh like nine months analog mopping 
my next one is a creep also. So I've got a little poodle. Um, my partner and I have a poodle. His name is Top Chef. Pride and joy of our lives. He's 10 months old, which is to say he's kind of not to be fully trusted yet in the house when we're out, but we really need to leave him alone. Uh, so to give us peace of mind, my girlfriend ordered this thing called My Home, M-I Home. It's a tiny little security camera. It's like nanny cam. And we can watch him from anywhere in the world and see what he's up to as long as he stays in kind of a specific part of our apartment. If um, he sits near the front door waiting for you to come home. <laughs> well, you can you can actually move it around so I can see him on like the first floor. Okay. Which is pretty great. I have a buy also, which is this product called Golab Beauty Hair Growth Oil. It's made by this woman. I again, not to be a broken record, I saw it advertised on TikTok. And this woman was essentially talking about how her hair was thinning. She did some research into South Asian culture, which is her family's culture and uh, found out that there is this long history of like oiling the scalp to like promote healthy hair growth. So she developed this oil and started selling it. And I have had like increasingly thinning hair, especially in the front of my hairline for the last few years, have been very self-conscious about it. And I use this oil maybe once a month, once or twice a month. And I went and got a haircut like two weeks ago and my hairdresser who has seen all states of thinning of my hair was like, something's going on here. Like you've got some new growth and like it's feeling thicker, it's feeling fuller. So uh, it seems to be working. It's beautiful. I also bought their brow oil to grow my brows out. My last one is another C also, but it's related back to my poodle Top Chef, but it's the TV show that he's named after, which is Top Chef. There is a new season out. If you are a fan of like MasterChef or whatever, this is the US TV show that kind of started it all with mm. the competitive cooking shows, um, except these are chefs. They're real chefs. A lot of them are like James Beard winners or nominees. Uh, they own restaurants. Um, they've got big egos, quite a lot of them, especially like the early earlier seasons, a lot of big egos, a lot of drug problems. Oh. Really juicy. Yeah. Um, everyone's kind of a bit nicer these days. Yeah. Um, which is what you'll kind of find across competition it, shows, I think. It's like SNL. Yeah. The 70s Coke days have made way to like drama kids who are nice to each other. Yeah. Give me the Coke days. Anyway. Um, but yeah, look, it just started. So you can catch up immediately. This season there in Houston. My final one is also a C also. It's the new Netflix docu-series uh, Genius, which follows Ye, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, um, mainly in his early years of growing up in Chicago, doing all the things that uh, in my former years as a Kanye West apologist, I had only read and heard about his like very intense hustle to get signed, to be seen as a rapper and not just a producer. Um and to do all of that at one point after getting in a car accident and having his jaw wide shut. It's directed by this guy called Cootie, who is now part of this like directing duo called Cootie and Chike. And he had extreme proximity to Kanye in these early years. He was like at his home filming Kanye with his mother who passed away in the mid 2000s. And 
he is there in the rooms as Kanye is like walking through like Rock Nation, his uh, eventual record label, rapping to like anyone who would listen, rapping songs that would go on to become like part of the best selling rap albums of all time. Um, and no one really cares. But it's this three part series. The first two parts are really incredible. And I found the third part kind of distressing and it lost me a little. It lost me in, uh, it does that thing that uh, I, in my experience, a lot of religion does where it uses uh, a man's religion to explain away a man's bad behavior, which uh, the, the series kind of wraps up on a, on a very uh, churchy note that uh, after watching the last few years of Kanye West behavior, are not f- thoroughly convincing to me. Um, sure, particularly his most recent behaviour of stalking his yeah estranged ex-wife. It's a hard time to watch a show. Or estranged wife. Is she estranged? She's ex. Well, she's changed her name back to Kim Kardashian on social media. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is in, – in that sense, it is a really odd time to be watching a show all about Kanye West as this uber – genius music maker when his music of the last few years has not been the titular genius (laughs) and what we knew from him in the early years. But if you have ever gone through a phase of enjoying Kanye West music or being just interested in the difference between like who he maybe represents himself to be in the media and who he might be in his personal life, it is really fascinating. The first two episodes, especially. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of See Also. We'll be back soon with more pop culture wormholes to add to your cart or at least open in a new tab. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at See Also Podcast or follow Kate and I at Kate Jinx and at Brody Lancaster. Yeah, and we've just dropped these first two episodes of the podcast. So would really appreciate you sharing it with friends uh, that you think would like it or leave a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or suggest it when people you follow on social media ask for podcast recommendations. It makes me feel yucky asking for that. But at the same time, we're fresh and new and, you know, we need a little help. And we all know that person who just listened to Serial and will post on Facebook being like, Guys, I'm into podcasts. What podcast should I listen to? Yeah, well, someone's a close contact and they're like, I need, I need a podcast. <laughs> Maybe don't send them this episode because then they'll know that's what you think of them. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, thanks to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. See you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.